And, you know, uh, even if you're the last voice and and how are we going to, you know, reach out and touch culture and influence culture. And you can stand up here and talk about it all day long. But I want to show you we're not kidding. We're going to do this. We have a sports complex, if you will, the Grace Impact Center reaching out to starting in probably December. Two thousand people from the community come in and use that facility and we can reach out to them. We don't kind of, you know, we try to be good about it and, you know, and, and kind about it. But we want to show them Christ's love by the way we treat them, the way they're treated when they walk in the building. We have opportunity for sports. We're, we're engaging our, our schools. We've reached over eight thousand students. In the last year, through our archery program, uh, Impact Archery and His Pins Archery, uh, and now we're looking at now the, the, this whole side of the arts. There's a, there's a piece of the building, the soccer field, and then next to it in the back, that's as large as the soccer field, and in some areas it's four stories tall. That is going to be a children's wing and a school of the arts long term. That's our vision. We're starting now, and we plan on growing into that space and using that space and utilizing all of this space to impact our culture, to impact our community. So when we talk about these things, when you hear about being a remnant and standing up and, and standing for Christ, we're not just flapping our gums here. We're putting, we're putting action to our words. We're going to have an impact on our community. We're going to help change our culture, and we mean it. And I want you to be a part of that. We're going to continue our series this morning, Remnant, even if you're the last voice, by reading 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 9 and 10. It says, Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastimim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Eleazar was one of David's mighty men. You know, you see that, you read about that in 2 Samuel. David's mighty men. The Philistines and the men of Israel came out to meet each other face to face on the battlefield. But then all of a sudden, the, it says that the, the men of Israel, the Israelites, they, they abandoned the battlefield. They left. They retreated. But Eleazar would not follow his countrymen off the battlefield. Instead, the Bible says that he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines. See, he was a man of individual character. He was a, he was a person who understood who he was and understood who his God was. He understood himself and he understood God. He knew himself and he knew his God. He was able, he, he was not going to, if you will, get lost, to get lost in the, the mob mentality. You know what I'm talking about where, you know, everybody starts doing something so every, the other people follow. If a mob of people are doing something in school or if a mob of people are doing something, you watch it, this whole mentality break out if something goes wrong in one of our cities. Everybody starts becoming a looter. They could be, you know, just normal folks on the street, but you see people busting windows and carrying on and you start turning cars over. You lose it. You, be, you get sucked in by this mob mentality. It happens on large scale and it happens on smaller scale all the time. And Eleazar was not going to get sucked into this mob mentality. He wasn't going to run just because he saw everyone else running. He thought for himself and he acted for himself. 
He wasn't going to let other people's thoughts and actions dictate what God had for his life. The actions of others were not going to determine the measure of his courage. So when they started leaving the battlefield, he went and stood on the battlefield. Individual courage. G.K. Chesterton wrote this. Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of readiness to die. See, each one of us has a personal obligation to God that is not tied to the whole. Every single person here has an obligation to God, has a responsibility to God that is not tied to the whole. Yes, we are the body of Christ, but each one of us is created by God for a specific purpose to work within the body of Christ, but... If you need to stand alone, you must stand alone. True discipleship isn't determined by a vote. It's not determined by voting. Boldness is not always a team sport. Sometimes you have to be bold on your own, no matter where you are, whether it's in school or at work or in your neighborhood, wherever the case may be in that board meeting. Sometimes you have to be bold on your own. See, when you came forward to profess faith in Jesus Christ, when you raised your hand, when when you prayed that prayer, you became responsible. Understand this. You became responsible before God for your own spiritual actions, how you're going to react, how you're going to to respond. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. How are you going to how are you going to respond to God? It, It stopped becoming your parents faith and became your faith. It isn't the pastor or the, or the life group leader's job to live out your spiritual journey for you. You're responsible to pray, to read the word of God, to seek out God's will for your life. You're responsible to take on the challenges and the giants that you face in your life. It is not someone else's responsibility. It is your responsibility. Discipleship, my friends, is personal. It is personal. Now, you may be thinking, well, can't we ask for help? Of course. We've talked about this a thousand times. We are the body of Christ and we should help each other. But listen, whether you were given early on or whether you started out with one talent or ten talents, you are still responsible before God to, 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 when you stand before God to, to stand up for or to show him that you use the gifts, talents, and abilities that he has given you in an appropriate way. You're responsible alone before God to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you. That is an individual responsibility. And then we play out that individual responsibility as a part of the body of Christ. Now, if that is true, and it is, if that's true, then we need to live our lives in such a way that our passion for God is without question. We need to live our lives with such, with such passion that people, when they look at us, they see and they experience something different, that, that our love for Jesus Christ is without question. Eleazar realized that he alone must stand before God in heaven. And so he lived for, he walked with God here on earth. 
He realized that one day he's going to stand before the king of heaven and have to give account for his actions, not for the actions of everyone else around him, for his actions. And so he decided, I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stand with him and for him here on earth. He needed to be a man of God. He needed to be God's man, regardless of what other people chose to do. And so he bravely drew his sword And held his ground against the Philistines. While everyone else was hiking it out, he held his ground. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't start yelling at the guys who were leaving the battlefield and calling them cowards. You pack of cowards, what are you doing? I can't believe it. That's not what he did. He didn't call them cowards for leaving the battlefield. And he didn't beg them to come back either. What are you guys doing? What am I supposed to do? I'm all by myself. Look at the army. Come on. Everybody, come on back. Don't be afraid. He didn't beg anyone to come back. He just stood, faced the enemy, and opened a can of beat down on him is what he did. That's what he did. He grabbed his sword, watched everyone else leave, and said, well... My responsibility. What is my responsibility before God? See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You can, God's going to win the battle one way or the other. Okay? He's going to win the battle whether there's 130,000 people on the field or one. And what, here's the cool thing. If you're the only one left standing, if you're the last voice, God's going to pour all his power into you. The battle will be won. God is not going to lose the battle. If God chooses to have victory that day, victory will come, and it will come through one person if that's what needs to happen. He didn't waste his time calling out these people. He didn't waste his time calling them names. He didn't waste his time calling them to come back. He just turned around and fought that battle. His brave example, his brave example was so much more effective than sarcasm or criticism or guilt-tripping people. You know, sometimes in our lives, if people aren't doing what you, we think they should be doing, we, we kind of throw out sarcasm, we, we throw out a little, we criticize them, or we, we use that little guilt trip thing. And, and, but I'll tell you what he did by standing there as an example of what a true remnant is, of what a true man or a woman of God should be. That example was so much more effective than, than some of the things that we do. My friends, our responsibility to God is not diminished It is not diminished by the negative conduct of other people. On the contrary, it is increased by it. And you say, what what, what, what does that mean? Well, think about this. You're going into battle against the Philistines, a massive army of Philistines, and you've you've got your army with you, an army of your countrymen, and you're assuming that each of your, that each of the person in that army is, is ready and fired up, and they've got a heart for battle. That's what you're assuming. You're assuming they're, they're going to come in with you. If that's your assumption, and you're going into the battle, you may, you may, it may cause you to, maybe, maybe you can step back a little bit. Listen, 80% of the population of America are Christians, so someone else is going to take care of it. Someone else is going to deal with that. You, you are passionate about this issue. You are passionate about whatever. You are passionate about this injustice. But you know what? 80% of the population, the army, 80% of the population is with you. So, you know, you, don't, you can hang back. You can hang back. Or, or at best, maybe you'll, 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 you'll fight with the same intensity of the person next to you. But when you find out that you're standing there all by yourself... When you find out it is just you, everyone else has backed down, it causes you to rise up. That's what it should cause you to do. 
See, the enemy wants you to think, you're, you dope, you're the only one who thinks this. You, you're a total, you're such a loser. Who, look at everyone, even your, even your own people have abandoned you. But instead of shrinking back, Eleazar does the opposite. He stands there, he grabs his sword. Their actions drove him to become even more bold and passionate. That's what we're talking about here. Their actions, their cowardice caused him not to shrink back and say, well, that battle can't be won, but to become even more bold and more passionate because the battle was now riding on him. He had to become more than he thought he could be. He had to become, and you need to become in that situation, the person that God has created you to be. You've got to rise above. You need to pick up the sword. You need to become even more bold, not more fearful, more aggressive, if you will. You need to stand up for Jesus Christ more aggressively. See, when you look around you and you realize at work or at school, on your neighborhood, on the team, you're on that team and you look around and you realize you're the only one standing there for Christ, it's time to pull out your ox goad. I'm not talking about against other people. I'm talking about spiritual battles that we're facing. It's time to pull out the ox goad. It's time to pull out that sling and get that stone and that sling together. It's time to grab the jawbone. It's time to, to, to grab that dagger, Ehud's dagger. It is time to man up or woman up, whatever the case may be. That's what it's time for. It is not time to retreat. It is time to understand who you are. It's time to prove to yourself who you are, that you know yourself and you know your God and God is going to walk through whatever you face. God is going to walk through that with you. Letting the enemy, because the other, the other alternative here is that letting the enemy have the, the victory is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Giving over the weak the helpless, the defenseless, the lost to the enemy is not acceptable. It is not an acceptable solution. Even if you're the last person standing, you see injustice, you stand up. You see something wrong, you stand up. You know what's amazing here? You think Eleazar, well, you know, he was a man of God and he, he had no idea what was going to happen in that battle. If I'm Eleazar, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my mind, you gutless wonders. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, today's my day to die. But you know what? Give me my sword. I'm going to charge into this battle. Today's my day to die. It's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had no idea what they were throwing into that fire furnace so they wouldn't get toasted completely. They had faith that God was going to save them. But they said, hey, king, it doesn't matter what happens to us. God can save us and he will save us, O king. But even if we burn up, we're not going to do what you say. We're not going to back down. These guys, you know, you go through Gideon. I mean, all these guys, you think that they had this foresight into what was going to happen. Shamgar, he picked up an ox goat. He was going to fight a whole army of Philistines. You think he really thought he was going to survive that battle? I don't think so. And it didn't matter. Because sometimes to have courage, you need to stand up and whether you live or you die or you fail or whatever the case may be, if everyone thinks you're a total dork, you stand there anyway. Because you know who you are and you know who your God is and you know what you've been called to do. Listen, if you want to be a remnant, you need to go pick up a weapon. The masses ran off the battlefield. The remnant did not. 
The masses headed for the hills. The remnant did not. If you're discouraged about the condition of our modern Christian culture, if you will, then pick up a sword and fight. If you, if you care about that, if, if Christians around you are weak in their faith, become strong in your faith. Get my point here. Instead of shrinking back and saying, I can't believe how all these Christians are acting. I can't believe how we can get here. I can't believe. Instead of saying that, if the Christians around you are, are weak in their faith, become strong in your faith. If they're asleep in the light, then you become more alert. If they don't care enough about the ch- children being trafficked or dying of, 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 you know, of starvation, you care more. You care more. Don't be like, oh, see, that's, if this is the way it's going to be, if they're not kind, you show greater compassion. Be that person. If they won't work on their weaknesses, you've talked to them about it. You've brought it up. And if they won't work on their weaknesses, you work on yours even more diligently. Do. Be, be what they're not. Be what they're not. Do what they won't. Be what they're not and do what they won't. Why? Not because you're not to show any arrogance. You're not being proud and arrogant, holy in the now. I'm not saying be arrogant in how you present that. But instead of being arrogant, you're going to be an example for them to follow. That's the point. We need to become an example. If we see those around us not living up to what we think Christians should be, then we need to raise the bar for ourselves even higher and pull them with us. That isn't arrogance or pride. It's love for the other person. You, in discipline and strength and boldness, become the person that you want other people to be. You know, dare to be like Eleazar, and if necessary, fight the battle alone. Be motivated, not paralyzed by the mediocrity of other people. Goodness me, that's what happens in the church, happens in Christianity. You see the mediocrity, you see the people doing what they're doing, you're like, oh my gosh, if that's the way Christians are, if that's the way, that's not the way God is, and that, that's not the way you have to be. Do not let the mediocrity of other people paralyze you. Let it motivate you. Let it become your strength. Find strength in their weakness to become an even bolder, bolder or more dynamic person. Find strength in their weakness so that you can help them rise up, that you can encourage them to be the person that God has created them to be. But for you to shrink back and follow them into oblivion, what does that accomplish? Nothing. God has more for us. Listen, if you're going into battle, you'd rather not have the fearful people around with you. You know, Shamgar here, the reason he didn't cry out and say, hey, why don't you guys come on back? Because it is better, it is better for you not to go in battle with a bunch of frightened people. Remember, remember Gideon? God said all the frightened people can go home. 20,000 of them out of like 32 left. They, they left. I'd be like, Hey, all you scared people, come on back. At least go on the front lines and take the beating first. And then the rest of us brave ones can, you know, because there's a whole bunch of them, not a lot of us, you know. They left. It's not always to your advantage. The only time numbers are to your advantage is if those numbers are, that they have a heart for the fight. If they're willing to step into the battle. That's why this series is called Remnant and not Masses. Because the masses will always take the easy path. Unless, unless otherwise led, unless someone leads them, they will take the easy path. My friends, what you want is to be surrounded with, with, with kindred spirits 
That's what you want, to be surrounded by kindred spirits. Now, notice something else here. There's so much, there's so much packed into these verses. Eleazar only became weary when he could afford to be. God, wouldn't, God did not allow his exhaustion to overcome him uh, until the battle was over. I love that. God gave him the strength to keep moving until the battle was over. Have you ever been in what seemed like the fight of your life? I think we all have. And here's what I've learned when you're in the fight of your life. God makes our strength equal to our circumstances. God makes our strength equal to our situation. Now, I'm not saying God won't give you more than you can handle, blah, blah, blah. It never says that in the Bible, okay? What I'm saying is that in my experience and probably in your experience, God has given you strength over time equal to the circumstances that you were facing. And God will, if you stand for him, he will give you the strength to overcome those circumstances. See, when you face and overcome your, 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 your challenges in life, it teaches, you, it teaches you where your strength comes from. And that's a good thing. And my friends, our strength comes from God. You don't need to be afraid when you're outnumbered at school or at work. You don't need to fear. You don't need to fear because you see the culture war kind of not going the way that you thought it was going to go. You don't need to fear that you're running out of strength and you're running out of your own strength when you're in these battles. You don't need to fear that, because that's when God's hand is truly revealed. Notice something else. I love this. Eleazar wins the battle. He wins the battle, but other people claim the prize. Some of you have been through this in your life as well. Life is filled with people who like to jump on the train when it's going downhill. They don't like to push the train uphill with you. You ever notice that? You start a company, you start, you start a ministry, you start something, and all the, all the people come out of the woodwork to criticize you and tell you why it can't happen and why you shouldn't have done that and why it's never going to work and why it's too big and all that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden the train, you finally push it up the hill and get down, and everybody jumps on. I was a part of it from the beginning. People have a tendency to take credit for something they didn't do or steal more than their fair share of what was done. That's, that's, that's humanity in a nutshell sometimes, isn't it? People will, people will not encourage, they will not, but when things are starting to go well, bam, jump on the bandwagon. But let me tell you something. I know this is difficult to understand or even accept, but when you give all that you have, when you pour yourself out, you have something they will never have. When you experience that pouring out of yourself and giving yourself to the Lord in that way, you, will, you have something they will never have. You know who you are. You know yourself and you know your God. I was thinking about this when it comes to people taking, taking uh, you know, ownership of something they didn't do. I would still rather be the lion who takes down the buffalo than the scavengers who steal the scraps from the carcass. You come along, you see a dead buffalo and a bunch of scavengers picking at it. You think, well, man, they took that buffalo down. Well, the lion's over there, bloodied face, scarred up a little bit from the buffalo. I'd still rather be the lion who took the buffalo down and the, than, than, the, than, the, than the peanut gallery, okay, who comes along after it's all finished and picks a scrap off the carcass. You know why? Because you know you're the lion and you know you took the buffalo down regardless of what anybody else says. Some of you experience this in your lives. And God will bless you. And God will, God will, when you get to heaven, you receive the glory that you deserve. And when people take glory on earth that doesn't belong to them, that's all they get. When they get to heaven, nothing. Another thing that I love about this story is that it teaches us that it's okay to rest, to, to, to just kind of 
to just rest after the battle is over. You know, it's okay once you're exhausted to, to take a step back. It's okay to rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. When you, have, when you have drained, when you have basically drenched the ground with your blood, sweat, and tears, it is okay for you to take a step back. It's okay for you to rest. It's okay for you to say, you know what? Time for me to take a little bit of a break. I need to take a break here because I'm a little bit overwhelmed. When the fight is over, when that fight is over, you can afford to lay back. You can afford to rest in God's arms. And it's pretty awesome to know that God was with you every step of the way and that he should receive the glory. And no matter how weak you may feel, he is always almighty. We have an almighty God. No matter how weak we may feel in our circumstances, we have an almighty God who walks through it with us. Another, another area I want to address here, another uh, just point that I want to address is, that this is, I love this too, it's the intensity of Eleazar's zeal. The intensity of this guy's zeal. It tells us that his hand was frozen to the sword. There are literally um, historic, historic records that, that show us that, that men have fought so intensely in a battle that at the end of that battle their hand was, was stuck to the sword. They fought with such passion and such boldness and such strength and such power that, that at the end it was almost impossible to separate them from their weapon. They become one with that weapon. This is what happened to Eleazar. This is exactly what happened to him. He grasped that sword with such boldness and such strength that it would not be lost in the battle and, and actually, as the case may be, it wasn't even lost after the battle. Listen, here's the point of this. You cannot go into the battles of your life. You cannot face what you all, every single one of you, have to face throughout your lives half-heartedly. Can't be done. You cannot face the kind of thing. You, you, you have to fight. You need to fight for your children. Fight. Grab that weapon and fight for your children. You need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight to overcome that addiction. You need to fight to overcome that injustice. You need to fight to overcome the demons of your past. You need to fight your fears, all those fears that keep you from becoming the person that God created you to be. You cannot go into a battle against the enemy half-heartedly. You have to grab your sword with all of your strength and squeeze so hard with such passion and such hope and such everything that God has given you that your hand is frozen to the sword. Once you pick up that weapon, you need to grasp it with such intensity that the enemy knows that they are in for a fight. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual fight. And you need to grab that sword. You need to grab that ox goad. You need to grab that dagger. You need to grab whatever God has given you as, as your weapon, so intensely that the enemy knows they're in for a fight. See, the Bible doesn't, you say, well, I, I'm not sure I have the strength to do that. The Bible doesn't give the victory to Eleazar. It gives the victory to God. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The victory was not Eleazar's. The victory was the Lord's. We, listen, we need to fight like it all depends on us, knowing that it all depends on him. But you can't, you got to think, you got to think this way as a Christian. You need to fight like it all depends on you. Knowing that it all depends on him. We need to be humble and rely on God. But make it personal. It needs to be personal. In other words, trust in God with all your heart while you're sharpening your sword. 
You trust in the power of God with all of your heart, knowing he's there with you. He's going to give you the resurrection strength to pull it off while you sharpen your sword. Make it personal. Finally, the text says this, the troops return to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. I find it hard to understand sometimes when professing Christians walk away on the day of battle. And, and, and this is difficult, too. It's, hard. It's, it's been hard to watch Christians not only run away from the culture war, but actually join the other side. I think that's the most difficult thing for me, to watch my brothers and sisters in Christ join the other side. But I want to put a final twist on this story. Uh, and and I, I think this will be hopefully encouraging. Those who have walked away from the battle can be brought back. And I want to encourage you. I want to show you how you can help make that happen. Your bravery can inspire them to rejoin the fight. Your attitude, your bravery, your Christ-likeness can, can inspire them to rejoin the fight. People can, gather, people can gather strength. They can gather courage from your example. This is what, this is what I glean from this, these passages, that people, the people around you can gather strength. They can. If you step up, if you don't shrink back, they can gather strength from your example, from the way you live your life. You know, the, the Israelites may not have been able to go toe-to-toe with the Philistines that day or yesterday, But tomorrow's another day. You need to give them a second chance. People deserve a second chance. I love John Wayne. He said this. Courage is being being scared to death and saddled up anyway. You saddle up anyway. Courage is being scared to death, but you saddle up anyway. I'm going to tell you something. Some people need more encouragement to get in the saddle than others. And you need to be that encouragement. Eleazar could have said, "What what the heck are you people doing? Get lost, you gutless wonders. I stood out here and fought this battle, you know, single-handedly, and you're now going to come in and pick the, you know, pick, take, the, take the victory, if you will. You're going to share in the spoils of war when you ran off. That's not what he said. He could have said that, but he allowed them back on the battlefield. He allowed them back on the battlefield. It doesn't say he let them have it verbally. He just let them have it. He let them share in the victory. You see, it reminds me of the attitude of the father in the story of the prodigal son, doesn't it? Showing that grace, showing that compassion. They may have been cowards that day. They may have been scavengers that day. But I'm going to tell you something. There's always another battle right around the corner. Don't give up. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on that son. Don't give up on that daughter. Don't give up on that mom or that dad or that brother or that sister or your neighbor or your coworker. Or don't give up on that teacher. Don't give up on people. Fight for them. Stand for them. Set an example for them to follow. And you'll see a difference. My friends, one person... Speaking the truth boldly for Jesus Christ can change their community. Thomas Jefferson and then after him, Andrew Jackson said this, one man, one man with courage makes a majority. One man with courage makes a majority. If we are willing to stand for God, if we are willing to stand up and set an example, we can help those who've walked away from the good way, from the ancient path. You can turn your family around. One by one, they can see your passion. And one by one, they they can come to know Jesus Christ. 
You can turn your school around if you choose, if you choose purpose over popularity. You can choose your company. You can, you can change your company if you choose significance over success. You can see people's lives change if you choose to stand for God. You know, you may not, you may not believe it now, but if you pick up that sword, you may yet see a prayer meeting or a Bible study in that conference room. You need to dare to be Eleazar and face the Philistines alone if that is necessary. If you do, I'm going to tell you something. You'll be surprised how many people in your school, how many people at work, how many people in your neighborhood are looking for someone, a spiritually solid person to follow. You'd be surprised how many people are looking for someone to get behind, someone who will stand for the truth. There are so many people who are, who are dying for someone to stand up and say what they're thinking, to live out the way they would want themselves to, be, to, to live. They want someone else to step in, there, in that place and lead them. There are so many people like that, looking for spiritual leadership, someone who's not afraid who will say what needs to be said. There are so many people on the fence, so many people who are unsure. Let me tell you something. Let them see a brave, authentic man or woman, and they will rally behind you. Let them see someone stand up for truth, and they will rally behind you. All you need to do is step up, start the fire, and let God do the rest. Step up with your story, sword, start the fire, and let your God do the rest. Take that next step in your spiritual journey. Join the church. Get involved in a life group. Get involved in serving in some area of ministry. Allow God to awaken your imagination, ignite your passion, and unleash your purpose. Step up. Be like Eleazar. Be like Shamgar. Be like Ehud. It doesn't matter what everyone else around you is doing or saying or acting. It doesn't matter. Be the person that God has created you to be. In his book, Stepping Up, Dennis Rainey quotes Winston Churchill and he says this, There comes into the life of every man a task for which he and he alone or woman is uniquely suited What a shame if that moment finds him either unwilling or unprepared for that which may become his finest hour. God has designed each one of us and called us, called us to fulfill the, the, the purpose for which he's created us, each one of us individually. Now take what I taught you this morning. Take, take, take Eleazar's example and multiply it by everyone who belongs to Grace Chapel. And there, my friends, we have an army. We can do damage. We can do, we can do damage to the enemy. We will march together and fulfill everything that God has created us to do. But we need to know as individuals, we will not shrink back. We will not lay down. We will not run away. We will stand our ground together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible day you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come here together. And Father, I pray that you would give us boldness to protect our families the love to reach out to those who have, who have maybe backslidden or fallen away, the compassion to re- reach out to those who seem to frustrate us at work or at school because of their behavior. Father, I pray that we would give second and third and fourth and ch- just chance after chance, Lord God, for them to come to know you. Give us a passion for those who don't know you. 
Give us an intensity for those who are being abused in this world, who are being trafficked, who are suffering and dying, Lord God. Give us a passion for each other, the person next to us, the person in our community, the person in our nation, and the person around the world. Give us a boldness and a passion to stand for them as we stand for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.